And now, during this Lenten season, we have the opportunity to hear the second lesson from the Gospel. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 15, verses 1 through 3 and 11b through 32. Hold on. It's a wonderful story. Hear the word of God. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him. And the Pharisees and scribes, the keepers of the law, were grumbling and saying, this fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them a parable. There was a man who had two sons. The younger son said to his father, Father, give me the share, my share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country, and there he squandered his property in dissolute living. When he had spent everything, the severe, a severe famine took place throughout that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and he had hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him to the fields to feed the pigs. He would have gladly filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hand, hired hands have bread enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he went off to the father. But while he was still afar off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, quickly, Bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. And get the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now the older brother was in the field. And he came and approached the house. He heard music and dancing. He called one of the slaves and asked, what's going on? The slave replied, your brother has come and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has got him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and refused to come in. His father came out and began to plead with him, but he answered his father saying, listen, 
For all these years, I've been working like a slave for you, and I have never disobeyed your command, yet you have never given me even a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours comes back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you kill the fatted calf for him. Then the father said to him, son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice, because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. People of God, pray with this is the word of God for the people of God. The gospel of our Lord. St. Mark, it is indeed an honor and a privilege to be here to share and worship with you on this morning, in particular to share from the gospel reading during this, this season of Lent. I am deeply grateful for the invitation to share with you in worship from my brother, Dr. Dana Everhart. What Dana didn't tell you is that so often in my career in ministry, I've been the one to follow him. And I was never one of those persons to say, Dana did or Dana didn't. Because you, if you know Dana, you know he tracks his steps. And you know he goes very quickly. This morning I said, Dana, I have heels on. He replied, I'm getting my steps in. <laughs> I'm delighted to be here with you this morning to share in this Lenten season. And now as we continue this journey towards Good Friday and the resurrection of our Lord, your sermon series for the last few weeks has been Wilderness Journey. And today it is Welcome Home. We are all are welcome. Will you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks and praise for who you are. And now, O oh God, we ask that you would allow an extra and double portion of your spirit to fill this place. I ask, O oh God, that you would let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight for you are indeed our strength, our rock, and our redeemer. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Today, brothers and sisters, this story, unlike the Gospel of Matthew, Mark, and John, comes from the Gentile writer, the physician. It is the only Gentile writer of the Gospel. He writes with a different flair. Luke writes so that we can know the differences for all people in the gospel and through the gospel of Jesus Christ. In this story, we hear about two prodigal sons of the father. This story, to me, exhibits a consistency with the Gentiles' passion and calling for inclusivity. The Gentiles' passion, calling, and gift for inclusivity. Both of the father's son, sons are deeply loved by him, 
both of the sons have the wrong priority in the relationship. There's a relationship of affinity to assets rather than a reciprocating affection with the father. The older son's relationship is based on two-thirds of the assets. The younger son's relationship is based on one-third of the assets. I guess that younger son decided, I'm the youngest of all, perhaps I'll leave the longest, live the longest. Why am I waiting all my life for one-third of the portion? So the young son requested to receive his one-third portion earlier from the, from the father. He packs his bag and heads away for a far, to a faraway country. And there in that faraway country, he begins to spend everything. I guess the text didn't include that perhaps it was the first time he had money to spend on his own. Perhaps that's why he should have waited for his portion of the estate. But it doesn't say that. It says that he squandered everything. And when he squanders everything, a famine comes and he finds himself quite challenged, jobless and friendless. No one would give him anything. So he ends up in a pigsty where the pigs have more to eat than him. By the way, Luke is a Gentile writer, but this son is a Jewish son, and Jews had no affiliation with pigs. They didn't go near pigs, much less eat from pigs, so therefore, this son, being who he is, had to be at a point of desperation before he would find himself sitting and eating from what the pigs had to eat. Imagine the self-talk of the younger son. I've been so foolish. I'm so hungry. I'm also lonely. This makes no sense to me. I had it all, as the child said, at home. At home was a place that I felt safe. I no longer feel safe. And by the way, even the slaves in my father's house, house are faring far better than I am here. I will go back and ask my father for a job. I'll ask my father to make me a slave. Hmm. Luke says that as the son was in that pigsty, talking about his situation and remembering home and remembering the love of the father, the father heard him far in the distance. The father doesn't wait until he gets home. The father turns towards the foreign country to run and meet his son. The father does not say, I told you so. You deserve just what you got. No. The father, father also does not say, you can really work for me now. The father says, son, let's go. You're welcome home. He said to his servants, quickly, bring the best robe 
bring on a ring and bring shoes to place on his feet and kill the fatted calf so that we can go and have a party. Bring the best robe. My son is distinguished. Put a ring on his finger. He's an heir to who I am. Put shoes on his feet. He is my son and he belongs. Kill the fatty calf. Let's eat of the best and have a wonderful, wonderful time. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, the older brother heard about the party that was about to happen. The older brother is not interested in the party. He questions the noise of the party. Oh, what's happening with all that noise, he asked the slave. And the slave said, it's not noise. Your brother is back and the father has thrown him a party. What? A party? I won't be going. What? A party? I will not be going. Even as the father begged the older son to join him, he refused. Then the older son began to have a little self-talk. You mean keeping all the rules of a house doesn't get me anywhere? What's going to happen to my two-thirds assets now? Because that's all we have left. Brother just wasted his. How long do I have to wait for the father to pass? I've got two-thirds. Do I now have to divide a third of that with the brother since he's coming back? Dad must have lost his mind. I never did like my brother anyway. I knew that there was something, something about him. You know how that can be. The word prodigal means to spend resources recklessly. Yes, my sisters and my brothers, our message today is about two prodigal sons and a prodigal father. The question is, where are we in the message of coming home? to the place where the whole world belongs. Life and God will lead us to situations where we have that require faith in action on the way home. Yes, life is a journey. And as we grow closer in maturity and in our faith, life will lead us to situations that require faith in action. And I would, I would surmise that it probably leads us first to question our faith, ponder our faith, reflect on our faith, and then take action by faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Today's faith is about coming home. The younger son, one-third, the older son, two-thirds. The soul artist Luther Vandross, oh, I love to hear him say it this way, a room is still a room. A chair is still a chair, even when no one's sitting there. But a house is not a home. Home 
is a place where the heart, the mind, the soul, and the life are welcomed. Abraham Maslow, a psychologist, used it this way. He had a design for motivation of a person through the hierarchy of needs. First of all, a person has physiological needs, water, food, rest, comfort, then safety, emotional well-being, then love and belonging, a sense of connection in one's place and in the world, and then esteem, respect, and recognition, and then self-actualization, achieving one's full potential. Abraham Maslow continues to be known for this hierarchy of needs because one is contingent upon the other. Unless we can feel a sense of comfort, we don't feel safe. Unless we feel safe, we can't feel loved and we don't have a sense of belonging. And unless we belong, we can't embrace self-esteem. And then we can't reach self-actualization when we don't know who we really are. Jesus said it another way. Jesus felt this sense of separation and barrenness from home. Jesus said, foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. We wrestle and we struggle with who we are as people of God, as creations of God, as belonging to God. We struggle with our own sense of making sense of it all. That's why it takes faith. The Apostle Paul said it this way, I feel wretched from Romans chapter seven. The things that I want to do, I don't do. And the things that I don't want to do, I find myself doing all the time. And you know what? I don't know about you, but I just say, forgive me again, Lord. And Lord, I thank you. Because I will never be perfect until the day of Christ Jesus. I pray so then. And then Martin Luther. Martin Luther was a priest, theologian, and author. Martin Luther realized that his relationship with the Catholic Church was not suiting his soul, and he became a seminal founder of the Protestant Reformation. Martin Luther had angst with his father, just as the older son and the younger son. So Martin Luther would go to the priest every day and confess, Lord, I have sinned, okay? You are forgiven. The next day, it was back. And the next day, and the next day. And at some point, Martin Luther, in pondering God and in pondering faith, realized that this is not it for me. And Martin Luther began the Protestant Reformation where he nailed the 96 Thesis on the door of Wittenberg. It is what began a component of our freedom in God. 
Martin Luther declared that the just shall live by faith. Nothing and no one can get us there except our faith in God, brothers and sisters. The substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. And when we run into those situations in life, we will say to ourselves, it doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't make sense, but it does make faith. I dare us to try it and try it again. John Wesley was another example for us as it pertains to faith. John Wesley, the father of Methodism, had spent, had come to Savannah, Georgia to preach to the Moravians, to spread faith to the Moravians. And there in Savannah, a brisk storm came up, a strong storm, if you will. And John Wesley saw something strange. He realized that the Moravians never moved in the storm. As everyone was rushing, trying to find a safe place, the Moravians were singing and they were still. And John Wesley thought to himself, oh, what faith is this? I came to save the Moravians, and perhaps I myself have not been saved. John Wesley got on a boat and went back to Europe, and it was there at Aldersgate, May 24, 1738, in hearing the text read from the Roman epistle that John Wesley declared, my heart is strangely warm. I am saved by grace. John Wesley was once again at home with the Lord. And all of us, many of us know the hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing by Robert Robinson. Oh, to grace, how great a debtor. Daily I'm conformed to be. Let thy goodness like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the very God I love. Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. We have examples all over the world, situations all over the world where we feel estranged from our own identity of being made in the image and likeness of God. And in that same identity, there is the spirit of the living God being birthed continuously in us, waiting to be birthed again in us. That's the beauty of this season of Lent, this season where even the earth begins to renew itself as we began by faith to renew ourselves, our journeys, our faith in Christ. Not only that, our faith in one another. We have two prodigal sons in this story. One was a prodigal who was envious. He desired what belonged to God. 
He wanted it all and he wanted the, the best, but he didn't want the relationship. He felt as the older brother, if I just keep the rules, if I just obey, if I just make my list and check it twice, if I just get to that salary, if I just get that esteemed position, I'll be all right. And no matter what the older son did, he was still empty and without appropriate relationship to the father who loved him and would have given his life for him. The older son was the worst. I'm sorry. I told you. I keep asking. Forgive me. The older son was wasting his life at home because he could not receive the welcome of home. And then the younger son, the younger son extravagantly wasted his gifts, giving himself out in a place where he didn't belong. But the thing about the younger son is that this son was able to discern that he was in the wrong place. This son was able to discern that he was better off at the father's house, that he was better off with the father's shelter and the things that his father provided. He also said with respect, I won't ask the father to take me as a son. I'll go back as a slave and maybe, just maybe, he can hire me. The, the younger son got it. But then he realized the love of the prodigal dad who said, I won't wait for you to come home. I'm coming after you. I'm coming for you. I've been waiting. I hear your voice. I receive you. Let the celebration begin. My sisters and brothers, we are products of a prodigal God. A God who created the world and then created us in God's very own image and God's very own likeness. The DNA is within each and every one of us. But somehow throughout salvation history, we became estranged from God. And God, as a prodigal, wasted himself. The Greeks call it kenosis. He emptied himself of his glory and came down to the earth. He was born in a lowly manger. He was raised in a ghetto. He worked throughout Galilee. And then he died on an old rugged cross for your sins and for my sins and for the sins of the whole world. That's not how the story ends, however. Three days later, he rose again and he lives now and forevermore. And we, my brothers, my sisters, will do the same forevermore through faith in God. Welcome home. 
a place where we all belong. When I think of home, I think of a place where there's love overflowing. I wish I were home. I wish I were back there with the things I've been knowing. If you're listening, God, please don't make it hard. You've taught us to love, and it's real. I'm home. You're home. Welcome home. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.